Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, stand with me this morning. Good to see you. We've been on a series called What's in a Name, and I just want to give you a little heads up this morning in the uh, second service. We are installing and ordaining three new elders in our church, so if you'd like to just stay over and uh, join with us for that part of, this part of the service, we'd love for you to do that after Sunday school, and, and we'll do it uh, right after the worship, and uh, you can slip right back out. I know that would be a little longer Sunday for you, but uh, we'd love for you to stay for that. Very important for us to have good leadership in the church. If you have your Bible this morning, I'd like for you to turn to the Old Testament, 1 Chronicles chapter 16. And this passage is David when he brings the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. And he sets up a tent. And there he places the Ark. And as soon as the Ark arrives and David gets the Ark placed, he writes this psalm or gives this psalm of thanksgiving. And this is the first thing he does once that ark is put into place. And he said in verse 8, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing psalms to him, talk of all his wondrous works, glory in his holy name, let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Now, do you think we could uh, actually say that together this morning? That'd be a good scripture reading for us collectively. So let's begin at verse 8. Here we go. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing psalms to him. Talk of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness, your mercy. Lord, speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, I think you might learn something today. (laughs) Notice when David gives this psalm, he refers to the name of the Lord twice. He says, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, drop down to verse 10, glory in his name, let the hearts of those who rejoice seek the Lord. Now, he, he, he brings attention to the name of the Lord. When Jesus told us how to pray, he says, we pray, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Names are important. We place names on our babies when they're born. When Aaron was born, we waited about three days before we named him, and we were getting ready to be discharged from the hospital, and Carrie and I looked at each other and said, we've got to name this baby before we leave. And so we named him Aaron Philip McCord, and obviously we thought that was a great name, and our names become attached to our reputation and our character, our achievements, our actions, whether they're good or bad. Uh, there are a lot of names that are easily recognizable. We could say Abraham Lincoln, something pops up in our mind. We can say John Wilkes Booth, something else pops up in our mind. We, we could say Adolf Hitler or Billy Graham. We have different reactions to those names. Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker. I mean, every name gives us a reaction that we respond to. So names are important. 
They're important in our inheritance. Are we related? Uh, is our name in the will? Uh, that's important, right? Uh, so we need to protect our names. We need to protect the character, the integrity of our names. You know, I, I looked up last night the three most popular uh, identification protection companies listed by the Reviews website and found this list. Here, here's the three most popular companies that protect your name and your identification and the things that are important to you as far as uh, social security number, name, counts. Number one is LifeLock. How many of you have ever heard of LifeLock? You, you've, you've, you've seen it advertised. The second one was a company called Privacy Guard. And the third one is ID Patrol by Equifax or Equifax. Now, LifeLock, for instance, will reimburse you up to $10,000 if someone purchases something in your name. And they'll, they'll give you the money back if you're subscribed to them. They'll also pay you $200 a day if you're trying to get... Uh, uh, a new driver's license or social security number or a passport if you have to take off work to replace any of those documents they'll, they'll give you $200 a day while you're doing that with the problems of restoring your name. They'll also give you one million dollars of insurance if something happens and someone breaches your security, your name, your identification so they'll give you one million dollars of security. Now what's ironic about this list just a few weeks ago the company that actually owns ID Patrol, the number three on the list, is Equifax or Equifax. And they had a security breach and they were hacked and about 143 million subscribers, their information was exposed out on the internet. So the people who you're paying to keep your information now expose your information to everybody on the web. Wow. To me, that's very ironic. And, you know, the people who are supposed to protect you actually expose you to other people. And uh, that's a problem. How, how many of you know 50 years ago, we didn't have any of these companies? Because we weren't that concerned about people hacking into our computers because you didn't have a computer 50 years ago. You weren't concerned about them getting your social security number, your bank information, and all those things. So, so we're exposed. Now, we're still exposed with character, integrity, issues along those lines. But I want you to know something here. This is a multi-billion dollar industry because of the protection of your name and we are there today and names are important right identification is important in first kings chapter 8 solomon is dedicating the temple now we just read where david brought the ark to the temple mount and he pitched a tent and it was in david's heart to build a house for the Lord or a temple for the Lord, but the Lord didn't allow David to do that. But I want to pick this up in verse 15, and Solomon is speaking. And at this dedication, Solomon said this, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who with his own hand has fulfilled what he promised with his own mouth to my father David. For he said, since the day I brought my people Israel out of Egypt, I have not chosen a city in any tribe of Israel to have a temple built so that my name might be there, but I've chosen David to rule my people Israel. 
Verse 17, my father David has put in his heart to build a temple for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. But the Lord said to my father David, you did well to have it in your heart to build a temple for my name. Now I underline some things here in these passages because I think sometimes we read things without getting the importance of what we're reading. Three times Solomon mentions that this temple is for what reason? For the name of the Lord. Say that with me. The name of the Lord. It's very clear. The Lord is going to place his name there. And he says, I'm going to place my name there forever. So when they build this wonderful edifice, one of the wonders of the ancient world. So Solomon is getting ready to build this. He builds it. Takes him some time to build it. No telling how many millions of dollars it would cost today to build this. It was very ornate, full of gold and silver, precious stones. And he says, I am building a temple for the name of the Lord. Now, when they get the temple built, he goes to dedicate it. They sacrifice profusely with sacrifices. Now, picture in your mind, Solomon is getting out in front of the temple before all these people... And he lifts his hands and he begins to bless the Lord and begins to pray. So that's where we're at. So he says, okay, this is what the Lord said to my father David. Dad wanted to build this. He couldn't build this. But uh, this is for the name of the Lord. So he, watch this. Solomon's out there in front. You got this in your mind? He's got his hands lifted. That's what the Bible says. And this is what he says. May your eyes... Be open toward this temple night and day. This place of which you said, my name shall be there so that you will hear the prayer your servant prays toward this place. Solomon says, God, you said your name would be here. That when we pray, you would hear us when we pray. Now, the Lord answers this prayer in chapter 9, verse 3. And the Lord said to him, the hymn is Solomon. So the Lord speaks to Solomon, I have heard the prayer and the plea that you've made before me. I have consecrated this temple which you have built by putting my name there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. Everybody say there. Now, you do know that the Old Testament is full of shadows and types for the new covenant. It is a schoolmaster. It is the training course. It is the classroom for the new covenant that is coming in the future. And you and I are living under what covenant? We're living under the new covenant, or we call it the New Testament, where we are basing our salvation on better blood and better sacrifices, and that is on the person of Jesus Christ, what he's done at the cross, the blood that he shed, right? Now, as powerful as that is, the Lord consecrated the temple by putting his name there, and he said, my heart and my eyes will be at my temple. Now, here's the really good news. Are you ready for some good news today? Folks, if you watch the news, mostly what you hear is bad news. Matter of fact, I've gotten where I just turn it off. But here's some really good news. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Do you not know that you, 
are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you. Wow. In the Old Testament, God had a temple for his people. Under the New Covenant, he has a people for his temple. Now let that sink in just for a minute. You and I, we are the temple of Almighty God. According to Scripture, we are the temple of the Lord. Let me just drive this home a little bit deeper here. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners or strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, also members of his household. Now Paul is speaking to the church at Ephesus, verse 20. And you are built on the foundation... How many of you are glad that you build on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone in him? The whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. Wow. Do you realize that when Solomon dedicated that temple, and he says, Lord, we're building this in your name. This is where you're going to place your name. And as they sacrifice and the priests begin to minister, the Bible says the Shekinah glory of God came down in that temple so strong that the people had to bow down. They couldn't even rise because of the, the powerful presence of God. How many of you know that you and I now can have the powerful presence of God in the temple today? It's not in a building. Do you realize that when Paul went to Athens, he went to a place called the Aragophagus, or we, we call it Mars Hill? And that's where the philosophers and the religious crowd and those who were seeking wisdom would arrive and they would come. And Paul passing through that area of Athens, he looked at the temples and the architecture and, and all the, the places they had built and they had, you know, just dedicated to all these gods of the, the, the Greeks and the, the mythological things that they believed. And the Bible says that, that Paul's spirit was stirred up in him. And he went to that place and he looked at all of these idolatrous places and he made this statement. He says, the God who created the heavens and the earth does not dwell in a temple made with hands. He says that the God who created everything does not dwell in a temple made with hands. Well, if he doesn't dwell in a temple made with hands, where does he dwell? Well, according to scripture, I'll tell you where he dwells. He dwells in the hearts of his people. You and I are the temple of God. And so therefore, as the temple, you're the temple, I'm the temple. What did he say about the temple? He said, that's where I'm going to place my name. Aren't you glad that his name is upon you? You ever tried to get in somewhere and the guy at the door standing there and he says, I'm sorry, you can't come in. Your name's not on the list. How many of you know it's important for your name to be on the list? Do you realize there is a book in heaven called the Lamb's Book of Life? And everyone who is found written in the book gets to go to heaven. And if your name is not written in the book, guess where you get to go? Come on. 
It's not a good place, is it? But if your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, then you and I spend eternity with Almighty God. That's, that's good news. So what's in the name? Why are we, for the last three weeks, focusing in on this element, this, this topic, this important issue of what's in the name? Because everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you know there's salvation in the name? Salvation is in his name. Matthew chapter 1 verse 21. And she, the Virgin Mary, will give birth to a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. So how are you and I going to be saved from our sins? Through Jesus. What he did at the cross, the shedding of his blood, his death, his burial, his resurrection, our faith is in him, salvation is in Jesus, Acts 4.12, for there is no other name given under heaven, given to man, whereby we must be saved. Salvation is in his name. Do you realize we pray in his name? When we pray, how did he instruct us to pray? Okay, when you pray, he said, you pray in my name. Listen to John 14. This is verse 13, 14. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Verse 14, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So when you pray, you pray in the name of Jesus. If you were with us last week, Paul wrote this to the, to the church. He said, whatever you do in word and in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Why do we do it in his name? Because there's power in that name. There's salvation in that name. There is cachet in that name. He has given us the power of attorney, uh, of attorney in that name. We can conduct business in his name. Can I hear an amen? So we pray in his name. We're also cleansed, sanctified, and justified in his name. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. Paul lists a, a whole litany of things that people have done, people have been wrapped up in. He talks about thieves and people who were, uh, you know, unclean by different acts that they had done, liars, people who had done this, murderers. And then he, he, he gives us this horrible list and then he kind of lightens it up a little bit. Not really. And he says, this is who you were. How many of you know, when you throw a rock at somebody, and I throw a rock at somebody, sometimes I'm throwing a rock at somebody who was just like me. And just like you. So, so Paul gives us this litany of lists. And he says, such were some of you, but now you're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified, in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. How did you and I get cleansed, sanctified, and justified? Well, according to Paul, we had it done in his name. Well, Pastor Mike, I, I still have issues. Really? Look at the person next to you. You think they got any issues? Now, if you're married, you know that person next to you got issues. Come on, you need to help me this morning. I feel like I'm standing up here by myself. Nobody gets through 
without issues. Nobody gets a pass on this, right? You say, well, how in the world am I going to end this life, stand before God, cleansed, sanctified, and justified? There's only one way. You're going to stand there and say, the only way that I can get to heaven is because of what Jesus did. It's not my works. It's not my education. It's not my money. It's not my good looks. Duh. It's not my position, not my race, not my ethnicity. It's not my position, not my power. It's only by Jesus. We are cleansed, sanctified, and justified in his name. So Paul's very clear. He says the, the only way we get there is through his name. Do you realize unity is in his name? What brings us here together? I guarantee you, we, we have so many different stories right here in this, this early service. We, we have people from all different backgrounds, education, jobs, different places. I mean, if we looked you up on Ancestry.com, we would all be different, right? And some of you don't even know where you came from. You're Heinz 57, like me. So what, what brings us together? I mean, what's our togetherness here today? Well, some of us could say, well, you know, I was a Baptist, I was a Methodist, I was a Catholic, I was a Presbyterian, I was a Lutheran. Hey, that's not it. It's not it. We have people who come here all the time and they'll say, Pastor Mike, you know, we'd like to come to Ray of Hope, but we come from this church or this background or whatever. You know what? That's not what holds us together. You know what holds us together? It's the commonality of who Jesus is. It is surrounded, it is anchored in, it's the foundation stone, it's the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. Do you agree with that? Because this house, this temple, is based around the chief cornerstone, and the chief cornerstone is not the preacher. It's not the pastor, it's not the denomination, it's not the elders, not the deacons. It is Jesus Christ. That's the chief cornerstone. Now, notice what he says because in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, this is what Paul's dealing with. Do, do you realize that churches can get crossways? Now, come on, y'all just being way too quiet this morning. Do you realize that churches have a lot of conflict? Aren't you glad we don't have a lot of conflict? If we have it, don't tell me. How I many churches split? This group goes this way, that church goes this way, that let me tell you, that's not the will of God. And that's exactly what Paul's dealing with. Because there's a group in the church that doesn't like that group, that doesn't like that group, doesn't like that group, doesn't like that group. We're going different directions. Some of you say I'm of Paul. Some of you say I'm of Cephas or Peter. Some of you might say I'm of Apollos. Some of you say, well, I follow Jesus. And, and, and Paul comes into the church at Corinth. He says, guys, you've got to get this straight here. Notice verse 10. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind, in the same judgment. And it's not around Paul, it's not around Peter, it's not around Mike, it's not around Ronnie, it's not around Apollos, it's around who? 
Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what he said. Goodness gracious, you know why the world looks at the church and says, I don't want to go there? These people can't even get along with themselves, much less with us being there. I'm about to get fired up. Goodness gracious. We have done a great disservice to the community by division. And Paul is addressing that, and he says we have to come together, no divisions, same mind, same judgment, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Unity's in his name. I better calm down, hadn't I? I'm telling you. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 4. There's sin in that church. There's division in that church. He says, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together, along with my spirit, with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice what he says, two things there. He says, you're in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, I'm with you by spirit. He says, you are gathered together in his name, in his power. He says, you got to take care of the sin. You got to take care of the division. You got to bring to unity and unity can happen through Jesus Christ. The apostle Paul says, we are to give thanks in the name of Jesus. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 20 he writes to the church at Ephesus, he says, giving thanks for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, you do know every good and perfect gift comes down from heaven. I know you work hard. I work hard. I know we're striving. I know we're trying to do well. And that's good and we should. But let me tell you, ultimately, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father. And what did he say? Give thanks to God in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you. In Jesus' name, I thank you for my food today. I thank you for my home. I thank you for my family. I thank you for my job. Lord, I thank you for whatever I thank you for. I give thanks in the name of Jesus. Why do we do that? Because that's what the Bible says to do. We are to give thanks in his name. Do you know the miraculous can happen in his name? That supernatural, miraculous things can happen in the name of the Lord. Let me set you up here. Peter and John are going to the temple to pray. It's the hour of prayer. And as they enter into the temple, the region of the beautiful gate that goes into the temple mount, there is a lame man there and he's begging. He's been there for years. I, I, I'm sure a family member or somebody sets him there or if he's able at any capacity to move. Uh, I don't know how ambulatory he is, but if he could get there, he goes by the gate of the temple, the beautiful gate, and he's there begging, asking people for alms or begging for money. Why is he there? Because he thinks church people will give more money than down by the bar. I don't know. But he's there, and he's begging, and Peter and John pass by. Now here is the, I guess the dilemma with me in scripture. If he has been laid there daily according to scripture, Jesus has passed by this guy time and time and time and time again. Hasn't he? Why, why didn't Jesus stop and heal him? Why didn't Jesus point him out? Why didn't Jesus do something? Because he was leaving some of the miraculous, not just up to him. How many of you know he's leaving some of it up to us? So as Peter and John pass by this lame man who's begging, he says, would you give me something? Verse 
6 of Acts 3, Peter responds and he says, Silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have I give to you. And I, with a little tongue in cheek, usually say, Peter and John are typical preachers, they don't have any money. We don't have any money to give you, but we do have something to give you. We don't have silver, we don't have gold, but I do have something to give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the Bible said that Peter reached down and took him and pulled him up and immediately strength came to his legs. This guy rose up for the first time in his life. This condition that he had was supernaturally, miraculously changed by the power of Almighty God. And, and guess how Peter prayed? He said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And immediately he leaped to his feet. Wow. This guy leaped up leaping and walking and running around. Folks, if you've never done that before, how many of you would try to test out the new wheels? Yeah. yeah. And he runs into the temple area, leaping and praising God, and he gets everyone's attention. And the reason he has their attention, because they know every day this guy is there and he cannot walk. But this day, he's walking. Your attention, please. He's doing something he's never done before, and he's going somewhere that he's never been before. You say, why would you say that? Well, obviously, he's never walked before. And if you have some type of handicap or infirmity, you are not allowed very close to the temple because of that infirmity. It's very clear under the Old Covenant. Now, he is able to get closer to the Shekinah glory of God through that old covenant than he's ever been before. But let me tell you what he's experiencing. Now he's experiencing a new covenant and a new day and a new time and a new body. He is doing something he's never done before and he's going somewhere where he's never been before. Could that be you and I? How many of you think we could go somewhere where we've never been before? How many of you think we could do some things we've never done before? I believe that for you individually. I believe that for us corporately. I believe we can go some places we have never been before. I believe we can do some things that we have never done before. How do we do that? We do it in his name. We have faith. We trust. We go forward. That thing that's caused our lameness, that thing that's called our, caused our paralysis, our crippleness, we, 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 we give it to God and say, don't let this hinder me anymore. Maybe it's your fear or your self-worth or your image or depression or it could be what somebody said about you or how your parents raised you. It could be a dozen different things. But in the name of Jesus, how many of you know that which has kept you down can now be gone and God can raise you up to do things you've never done before. To go places you've never gone before. Wow, that's exciting. In verse number 16, when people see this, this miraculous happening, when they, they see this lame man walking, Peter responds again. He says, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. 
It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. It is through Jesus that this man has been transformed. Let me finish up this morning. In Isaiah chapter 43, the Old Testament, the Lord is speaking to the nation of Israel. And this really captivated my attention because I'd never looked at this quite like I had before. But in verse 5, the Lord is speaking to the nation of Israel. He says, do not be afraid for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. And I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. You see, the nation of Israel is going into captivity. Do you realize when they went into exile, into Babylonian captivity for 70 years, they would never ever be in their homeland as a nation again until 1948. No other nation in the history of the world has ever done that. No other nation has been out of their homeland, out of the control of the land, and came back to reestablish the nation after that many thousands of years. But Israel did. You know how they did it? You know why they did it? Because Jesus not only brought them together and the Gentiles together. How many of you know he brought all of us together? But God is saying here, I'm going to bring you back to this land. You're, you're going to be dispersed. It looks like you're done. No nation, no people, no sovereignty. But God spoke it. And how many of you know what he speaks will eventually come to pass? What he says will eventually come to pass. Now, it may not be tomorrow or next week or next month or next year or the next 500 years or the next 1,000 years. But whatever he says will come to pass. And he says... Notice this, don't be afraid. He says, I'm going to gather your children from the east, from the west. I'm going to say to the north, give up. To the south, he says, don't hold them back. Bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the ends of the earth. Now notice verse 7. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Now there's three things he says there. Now you just got to listen up here. First thing he said, don't be afraid. Don't fear. The opposite of faith is what? Fear. We have fear, we're not in faith, so we have to have faith, not fear. He says, don't be afraid. Second thing he said, I am with you. I'm with you. Now you may not feel like you're in a good place, but I want to tell you, I'm with you. How many of you know, the Lord can be with you when you don't feel like you're in a good place. I've read this, and I think you'll uh, identify with this. I've read you can be in the middle of a fiery furnace, and the Lord still be, be with you, right? You can pass through the flood, he'll be with you, right? You can be in a den full of lions, and the Lord be with you. You say, well, I'm in a bad place. The Lord must not be with me. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. 
You can be in a bad place and God's still with you. Man, that'll give you some hope right there. He says, don't be afraid. I'm with you and I will gather you. Now, who will he do this for? Who is he going to give strength and be with us and gather us? Three things he said in this passage. He said, those that he formed and created for his glory, his sons and his daughters, and here's the last one. He says, those who are called by my name. You know what sons and daughters have a knack of having? Sons and daughters just have a knack of having the name of their father. Right? Sons and daughters just have a knack of having the name of their father. You see, how did you and I become the sons and the daughters of Almighty God? We called out on his name. We identified in baptism with his name, his death, burial, and resurrection. We pray in his name. We're cleansed in his name. We're sanctified in his name. We're justified in his name. And guess what? He will gather all those who have his name. Now, he did that for a nation. And guess what? If this is in any indication of what God will do, Let's look to the future. You with me? Will there come a day that he says, I'm going to gather my people one more time? Who will he gather? Well, according to Scripture, he's going to gather his sons and his daughters. He's going to gather those who have glorified him. And he's going to gather all those who bear his name. There's a passage in Revelation where some of the saints of God are standing in heaven. You know what's written in their forehead? His name. His name's written in their forehead. You know what the Antichrist is going to try to do in the last days? He's going to try to put the mark of his name, the number of his name. You, you've read about this, haven't you? He's going to try to put the mark of his name on all those who follow him. You know what he's doing? He's just imitating what God's already done. He, he's not creative. He has no new ideas. He's just trying to replicate and duplicate what God's already done. Now, I, I'm a firm believer in this, and I can't see it on you, and you can't see it on me, but this is what I believe with all my heart. I believe right now, you're not waiting for this to happen at the rapture, you're not waiting for this at the judgment. I believe right now, right here, at this moment, you are bearing the Father's name written on your life. I believe the angels see it, I believe the devils see it, God sees it, he knows those who are his. Why? They bear his name. They bear his name. Any way you can get in a family, God said, that's how I want you. Listen up. You have to be born into a family, right? And when you're born into a family, what does the family members do? They give you a name. You can marry into a family, right? 
And when you get married, this is what it used to be. You take on the name. Or you can be adopted into a family. And you take on the name. You know what God says? Whether you're born, you're married, you're adopted, I want you in my family every way I can get you in my family. Every way you can get in the family, that's how I want you. Whether you're born again, and you've got to be born again, right? You're married to me because we are the bride of Christ, right? We're adopted into this kingdom. We were foreign and strangers, Paul said, but he has given us the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father! And as we're born into the kingdom, as we are married into the kingdom, as we're adopted into the kingdom, guess what he does? He says, let me give you my name. Let me give you my name. Goodness gracious, I'm about to get happy this morning. You shouldn't get happy before 9.30. But anyway, aren't you glad that he has placed his name on your life? Solomon, the reason you built this temple is so that I could put my name here forever. You know what Solomon is doing? He's showing us the future. Because one day it's not going to be on a, a hill in Palestine. It's not going to be somewhere in Rome or in Greece or Timbuktu. It's going to be every temple that has called on his name. He said, that's where I put my name forever. Because now you are my temple. And I have placed my name on my temple. Stand with me, temple people. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory. And hope changes everything.